This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 174. It is a Monday night, August 29th, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. They are family owned and operated. They've been for two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service. Growing from a one man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill. You can find them uh, online at alacofinewoodfloors.com or call 615-356-0303. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. Will, I, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm speechless. You know, because I, I I wasn't shocked by what happened Saturday night, but there was a part of me and I think a part of a lot of Vanderbilt fans that were pleasantly surprised by uh, by, by what went down Saturday night out in Honolulu. Vanderbilt dominates Hawaii 63 to 10, 63 points. That, that, it, it doesn't feel real to say that uh, after a Vanderbilt game, but uh, we will dive all the way into that game, Will, and, and you know, we'll go through – We'll go through first half, the struggles of the first half, and kind of sitting there, what's going on? And then we'll get into the second half and the the pure domination. And uh, But, Will, we've got a new name for Vanderbilt Stadium. First Bank Stadium, we'll talk about that. Um, kind of slipped through the cracks, I think, for a lot of people today. Wasn't, wasn't uh, you know, national news or anything, but definitely locally here in Nashville. Got some buzz. But, uh, Will, how, how you feeling? How you feeling? You a little surprised after what happened Saturday night? I'm surprised at the final score and we'll get into the key points to the things that we both took away from the positives and the things to watch in the upcoming games of the season, including Elon next week. And I don't want to take anything away from this win. So I'm just going to get it out here in the early intro. (laughs) That Hawaii team was as awful as I expected them to be and maybe possibly even worse than I think we expected them to be after they got any type of fatigue built up on that roster because they were so thin. That was was the worst FPS team I've ever seen. Now, last year, Vanderbilt would not have beaten them 63-10. to So with that being said, there was tangible, definitive improvement on Vanderbilt's side, and that goes to show with 
some of the records that you were going to yeah. read off here uh, in a second. Yeah, it's ridiculous, Will. I mean, Vanderbilt, I feel like they, they haven't had a game like this in a while. I, I, we all remember Franklin era. There, there was games where we'd be listing off, you know, 10 different records that were that were broken or hadn't happened, you know, since 30, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, so there's a lot of those. And uh, I wasn't surprised to see that. And uh, that's what happens when Vanderbilt gets to 63 points against an FBS opponent. But uh, exactly. they looked a lot like – I feel like uh, Ensworth High School could have beaten that Hawaii team on the side. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was, it was really, really bad. Uh, I didn't – you know, no one really – could. it was hard to tell in the first half. I mean, you know, we knew what this Hawaii team was, but the second half it really got real. I mean – Yeah, the, the initial sheen and freshness of the season wore off. I mean, you saw that early. It was like they were playing above their heads – and then reality set in, just the athletes. What we say a lot about Vanderbilt, honestly, last season, that they were playing hard, they but they were just out-athleticized, if that is a word. I'm not sure if that's a word, but out-athleticized by the opponent. And it's not a lack of effort, not a lack of necessarily coaching, but just player for player, the athletes are simply head and shoulders above. And that's what Vanderbilt looked like against Hawaii, which is a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's how they should look. They looked like an SEC team against a bad FBS opponent. That's that is a massive step in the right direction because they certainly didn't look that way against Colorado State and UConn last year, who were both maybe not as bad as Hawaii this year. No, but we're both pretty bad. And yeah. you snuck by on last second field goals. So this is 100 percent if not more percentage improvement over what this team would have done against this Hawaii team well I love the fact that you pointed out let's get the Hawaii trash talk out of the way we get it we you know we, we've got they're bad you know. we're, they're <laughs> awful we, we get that that's all I've heard I feel like but we're gonna dive into the Vanderbilt perspective and say here's the improvement here's what we saw and you know we, we got it out of the way Hawaii's bad okay and we, we've got that out uh, no more of that. And then we will, we have to be positive. I mean, you know, you can't be anyone sitting here saying it's why I don't give a crap. I I'm, that's just, I, I don't understand that. So, Since two and 19, two and 19 with a forfeit in the last two years. So like there, you, and the two wins were by a combined two last second field goals. So let's take any win against any opponent of any level and let's take that as a massively positive sign. Yeah, I mean, if they so. <laughs> like 63 points against anyone, I mean, that's yes. impressive in, in its own right. So we'll dive into a lot of it. This is definitely going to be a long episode. Well, the preview, the preview was not as long as, as, as we wanted it to be. So we're going to get into uh, the recap here. Uh, before we get to the recap, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's recap Hawaii. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, Will. I, I know uh, as a little teaser there. We're not going to re recap why yet, but let's get to this piece of news today. And, and we knew there was an announcement coming. Um, at least most Vanderbilt fans did that it was it was rumbling around the message boards, and you know how those rumors go and start swirling. Everybody's talking about it. It, it surfaced to Twitter, I think, late last night. And so a, a lot of people were looking forward to that. It was a really short press conference. It was Candace Lee and, and Clark Lee was there. 
a representative from First Bank was there as well. But Vanderbilt signed a 10-year football stadium naming rights deal earlier today, 10 years. Um, so we'll have to see, you know, when when that actually changes. But Will, this means one word: money. This is this is a this is a financial huge financial benefit for Vanderbilt. Number one, you have a bank sponsoring your football stadium, <laughs> so I mean that's literally what they do. Um, of course, Vanderbilt didn't disclose the financial components of the deal. I mean, they're a private university; they never do. Um, I would imagine, though, it was pretty hefty. Uh, Robbie, <laughs> I loved it. Robbie Weinstein asked the question. Uh, he he was uh, he was the scapegoat there. He asked the question, you know, about uh, you know just asking how much was this, and Candace Lee was like that. <laughs> we're not we're not going to disclose that, but she did say everything. Robbie was asking, does this help? Does this go towards Vandy United? Does this benefit the the campaign? She said everything helps Vandy United. So that that's another plus. Well, I mean that that could mean more more money into Vandy United, more money into the stadium. Obviously, it's named First Bank Stadium now, so. Um, the logo is already on the new turf field. I don't know if you know, saw the, if you saw the pictures, Will. Uh, turf looks phenomenal, by the way. Uh, I didn't even know. I didn't even notice how bad the old turf got. Like I was look, you know, looking back at how. I mean, it look it was black. I mean, you, the, the pellets that it was covered. You know, so so you look back at, at what it looked like last year and, and what it looks like now. It's a, it's it's a difference now. You know, you got there's a lot more to do with that stadium, Will, <laughs> than just the turf. But uh, First Bank Stadium. That's not, that's going to take some getting used to, Will. It's, uh, it's, it's, I'm going to miss, well, I don't know if I'm going to miss just calling it Vanderbilt Stadium, but it's still Dudley Field. It'll be yeah. at First Bank. <laughs> It'll be uh, at First Bank Stadium. So a little bit more of a ring than uh, Vanderbilt Stadium. Yeah, I was about to say the Vanderbilt Stadium, like Vanderbilt fans know that's the name of it, but I don't really think most people, if you asked even just casual Vanderbilt fans and said, what was the name? Of uh, Vanderbilt's actual stadium, they would go, oh, Dudley uh, Field, and you would go, get, no, they, they that's would the, they that's would the name of the field. Stadium. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> literally like, it, it, I don't think that's just significant. It's not like it's, you know, Neyland Stadium. There's yeah. not Bryant-Denny. So I'm, I'm a big fan of anything that promotes putting more money into an athletic program, and especially football program that has been woefully underfunded with the amount of money it brings in. I would be curious to see how much this deal is for we will not know we will probably never know exactly how much it is for but i mean just a billboard sitting in the middle of west end in nashville for 10 years would be pretty damn expensive to sign a contract for 10 years much less a stadium naming rights deal so i i would say that this regardless of the state of the vanderbilt athletic program just with the location of where these naming rights are going to be, that it was a pretty hefty amount that First Bank had to pay. I'm also interested, Will, to see what what were the agreements? You know, what was in that contract? What Was there anything First Bank said had to happen? The stadium has to look like this. I think that's interest, an interesting aspect. I heard there's a lot of Vanderbilt alums that work uh, with, with First Bank. It's obviously based in, in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, I think that's another interesting component. I don't think they would have signed this deal if you know i mean they're gonna they're not just signing this i mean i think there's some some uh some elements to this that say first bank stadium you know they're gonna have it a l- somewhat their way i mean obviously it's vanderbilt stadium but uh i'll be interested to see how you know maybe I, that news probably isn't gonna come out you know their involvement in the stadium but that'll be interesting so uh first bank stadium that's the name will 
Uh, it, I mean, it sounds like an NFL stadium, right? I, I keep thinking of U.S. Bank, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. It's like a combo of first Tennessee Park and yeah, yeah. with the sense. And, uh, but, totally- yeah, it's it's outside motivation. Like, I like what you just said. I just wanted to hit a double yeah. point on that, that right now Vanderbilt just has no people holding them accountable on how they are spending their money in their athletic program because they're the only private university mm-hmm. in the SEC. So you don't have any outside eyes. I mean, you have people criticizing them and clearly they're not putting money that athletic programs are bringing into the university back into the athletic programs. That's obvious. But every other school, you would actually know what they were doing with the money because it has to be transparent right. as a public university. So maybe this outside sponsorship Obviously, they have put money forth for these naming rights and given it to Vanderbilt. So there's got to be some type of upgrade, maintenance, how it appears and everything associated with that deal. So it's just another concrete step that Candace Story Lee has done more in her short time here than every single Vanderbilt AD in the last 50 years. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Literally, it's not even close. It's amazing already. I mean, Vanderbilt Athletics has been so stagnant. She has moved them forward more than anyone since when. When was the last major revamp like this? The 80s? I don't know. Gordon Gee, he was a renowned AD, but he didn't even – I mean, it's not like he was. He came in and did any renovations. I mean, exactly. I mean no one's ever. No one's ever. This is crazy. Done. Yeah. Vanderbilt men's locker room redone, redoing the stadium, redoing the men's football locker room. I mean, having to go through the situation that she did with the turmoil inside yeah. of the football program. I've been as as negative as we were right at the beginning, especially me. There have been very few people that have ever just stepped in, and so far. And I'm saying this all this with an asterisk that we haven't seen the final product out, but she's she has impressed me, and it's it's going to be pretty crazy looking back in the next five to ten years at what's able to be accomplished. Yeah, credit credit to her, Daniel Deermeyer, and the First Bank. I mean, everybody that was able to make that happen. I mean, that's isn't this is nothing small. I mean, next ten years, that's the name of the stadium. So, and to have an investment like that from a corporation like that, a Nashville-based, Clark Lee said it, this is about the city too. I mean, being being in the in the city of Nashville, and you know, we've talked about this. We could keep talking about this. Will this could be a, a three hour episode mm-hmm. if, we, if we wanted it to? But you also uh, said you wanted the preview of the Hawaii game to be longer. It was like an hour. It was like an hour and a half. Was well, I mean, we we could have kept. We didn't even. Get we could have made we, we it three even, hours. We didn't but. even get into the depth chart at all. That's the that's the only reason. But um, but no, Will. Honestly, it's it, it. This is more about the city of Nashville and that investment. Um, and we've talked about it. You driving by that, st- you can't. You can't even really tell anymore, especially with you know. I mean, you, you see it kind of as you're driving past on West End, but uh, I think the more of the goal is to make that a noticeable thing. So and, and see, that's Vanderbilt Stadium. There it is. So I mean, it could potentially be one of the coolest looking. Setups. Oh, yeah. If if redone properly, they have the bones of one of, of the most unique setup, maybe outside mm-hmm. of Stanford. Uh, there's this pretty co- a cool looking setup of, of just being literally in the middle of a metropolitan area. I mean, Nashville's yeah. not quite there yet as being yeah. one of the top biggest major cities, but it's growing so fast. Yeah. And every other school, I just keep hitting on this. If you drive around to every other SEC school, the city that they are in is that school. Mm-hmm. That is the main draw of that city. That is not the case with Nashville and with the modern NIL the tie of college athletics into business with that 
Vanderbilt is positioned well in the biggest changeover, where whether it's combining with how uh, college athletics are broadcast yeah. over the internet and every single game is on television, so these large stadiums aren't as aren't as big of a draw to kids. And, and it feels like these recruits are looking for different things now. Yeah. And so Vanderbilt's trying to position themselves in this new unique spot while these other traditional powers try to hold on to what they have in the past. And I have a train coming by, Billy. I don't oh, know if you can my. hear it through the mic. I heard a little it, bit. It doesn't it. come by much, but here we go. Monument so we have to get... There we go, special baby. Moment. The honorary, Week one recap. There we go. We've got it. moment of silence for Will's train, but... Uh, but, but well, I was going to say there's not many schools, not even, not even in the SEC, but in the country that you can take a recruit down to downtown Nashville on Broadway and then bring them back over to your campus, like five, 10 minutes away, 10 minutes down the road. So there's no one really else that can do that. I could not imagine if the football program five, 10, 15 years down the road somehow managed to be a, a top tier program and be competing to win the sec East and these, or, or something along those lines one season, because that Vanderbilt baseball program, the Vandy boys a couple years ago, not this most recent season, but two years ago, I was at Jason Aldean's downtown yeah. down on Broadway. And after that game, they came in to that. And obviously they had been allowed to go in the Carolina. back door and man, it was incredible to see just what that team drew attention yeah. of the people saying that the Vanderbilt college baseball team was there. Yeah. Imagine, the it, football imagine exactly. Imagine, so that, imagine Vanderbilt <laughs> competing for an East title. That is something that you just like, it's different going out to a bar in Knoxville, like seeing the players out there. It, it's just so different. It's, everything's the environment. Different. Yeah. And I, I don't have like the good words for it here, Billy, because it's, uh, it's as I different. told you before, I logged off work and logged on here. <laughs> so that's, that's where we're All sitting. This working man in Vanderbilt podcasting. I'll continue to say it and say it uh, every, every time we record, but will nonetheless, let's get to the Hawaii recap. And uh, will uh, before we dive into everything, of course, you've got a lot. I've got a lot from what we saw. I'm going to read a quote from Max Worship. And first, of course, we all saw what Jeff Reinbold, Hawaii's director of player development, said before the game. And uh, man, did that age very well, pretty quickly, actually, too, in the second half. Maxwell Worship, after the game, though, said, in quote, our head coach literally showed us that video about 10 times throughout the week. Even when we got here during the team dinners, that would be up on the screen. Everything that has happened, everything since we've been here has been moved as motivation. Coach Lee and all the coaches have made sure to really use all those things as motivation for our team. We wanted to set a statement. We wanted the whole world really to see we're a different team this year. We're going to earn everybody's respect this year. And after reading that, I, I read that, I think the next morning, early Sunday morning. And I was like, Oh man, I mean, that that's a, that's a statement. And yeah, talk is talk, but I think this year will, there is a chip. I mean, and it, it was, it was pretty obvious coming out of the half that second half, I mean, you could see in that team, Clark Lee told his offense to run it down their throat. That's what they did. They did that the entire second half. And we'll get into that. We'll start, of course, in the first half. We'll go through everything. everything. But, uh, well, a couple stats here. Vandy finished with over 600 yards of total offense, two defensive touchdowns, six different players scored a touchdown. I didn't even realize that. Six different uh, Vanderbilt players had a touchdown. Uh, and they actually led the nation with 601 total yards 
this week, week zero against an FBS opponent. So of course, week zero is a limited uh, slate there, but I thought that was an interesting little uh, stat leader. Barrett Salia tweeted that out. Um, and then, Will, I've got a bunch of historical uh, feats here that Vanderbilt accomplished. And Anthony Orgy was the Reese's oh, yeah, yeah. player of the week as well. Reese's Bowl uh, player of the week, and, and he will, he'll definitely be in the Reese's Bowl. Um, historical feats, Will. Vandy hadn't scored 63 points in a game since 1969 when they whipped Davidson 63-8. to eight. Uh, The point differential in this Hawaii game was the largest since 2012, a game against Presbyterian. I remember that one. I was at that one, actually. Uh, in that same game, Vanderbilt's 404 rushing yards, that was the most since having 410 against Presbyterian. So uh, going back to Presbyterian, that's a common opponent there. Uh, <laughs> Vanderbilt's 35 points in the third quarter, was the most in a quarter since 2013 against Austin P. So it's every, just, every team you've named off so far as FCS. Well. <laughs> exactly. Is- exactly. Um, Mike Wright's 87 yard touchdown was the second longest run in Vanderbilt history. I was surprised by that. Wow. I was a I little bit. Had, had you heard that yet? Mm-mm. I was a little surprised by that. 87. That's a long way. Um, you but, know the uh, longest run in Vanderbilt history. I'm curious. That's a real question. I don't know. Yeah, I you know, I'm guessing they're they're saying that like offensive play, right? Like that's a you know uh, run. I'm guessing so eighty longest, I guess handoff or, or carry. I guess eighty-seven yard uh, touchdown run. So I don't know. That's a good question, Will. I mean, it, longest of course kickoff. You got all Darius Sims both kickoffs, but uh, in terms of run, I have no idea. Uh, probably it's probably one of the running backs. Back. We'll get our, we'll get our staff on it. Yeah. Get our staff to figure it out. Our producers. Yeah, we'll get, staff we'll, we'll get, we'll get, uh, get the command center on that. We'll yeah. get back to you guys. Um, <laughs> but will let's go through it. First half in first quarter. So we'll go through, we'll go through quarter by quarter a little. This is uh, we'll see how long this goes. Um, we'll start in the first quarter. Will uh, honestly, first possession for Hawaii. I was, uh, I was pretty surprised. Hawaii, really marched down the field. Their passing looked really good. And, and you know, we, they had did what actually, what exactly what we talked about the quick passes, Timmy Chang got it out. Um, you know, his quarterback Shager, I thought looked pretty good. I, I was sitting there saying, this guy's not bad. I mean, he, he was slinging it. Number seven was the one player for Hawaii. That was kind of a specimen. And maybe it was just everyone else was so much smaller. Uh, but I thought number seven was, I was, you know, like this guy's a weapon, but uh, so first drive after that, Will, um, you know, my thought was, uh-oh, this 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 is looking eerily similar to so many games last season. Um, but it it pretty quickly changed in the turning point after you know the fumble, the fumble forced by Max Worship and Anthony Orgy recovers it. Um, but Will, that first quarter, the, those first couple drives for Hawaii, what you know. Were you surprised by the fact they were able to move the ball so so easily? Because I really wasn't. I mean, it, Vanderbilt has no clue what they're going to face, and they had to figure that they made the adjustments. But at the same time, I, I was, you know, I really wasn't that surprised. Um, the one run they had a thirty yard touchdown uh, off the edge there with uh, Dedrick Parsons. But if you look at it, he wasn't even like he didn't even like beat Van. Vanderbilt was just out of position. Like it, it was it was yeah. kind of interesting watching that touchdown. It's like it was in, kind of in slow motion. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I, I wasn't surprised, but at the same time, Vanderbilt made the adjustments. I'm not going to lie right at the beginning of that game. I was saying some words <laughs> and acting in a way same that feeling. I'm very glad that there was not a video camera recording me for, because 
honestly, it was pretty crazy up until about, I don't want, I don't know, the four minute mark when Vandy uh, got that ball on their third possession of the game and was able to drive down and score yeah. a touchdown before forcing that fumble and returning it. But the first 11 minutes of the game were basically dominated by Hawaii. Yeah. And then the entire rest of the game, every single minute for the remainder of the game was almost completely dominated by Vanderbilt and the superior athletes took over and actually Hawaii was able to move the ball less than I expected. I, I saw that first drive and that's about what I thought is they would come out yeah. first, first quarter. So it would be able to have a little success and then they would have some success again in the second quarter when they were able to see how Vanderbilt was defending that, make a couple adjustments, but they were never able to make the adjustments and Clark Lee was able to adjust better slash his athletes were so much better. But yeah, that first quarter was almost an, Oh shit. Here we go again. Yeah, it was. And Hawaii looked, Hawaii looked how we thought they would. They didn't look good. It's not like they looked amazing at the beginning of the game. Vanderbilt just came out. I think that they're what they were playing. I don't know if it was too tight, they were almost playing so much with so much aggression and so much trying to be in the right spot yeah. that they weren't just playing instinctively at the first. And that's such a stupid broad term that there's nothing to point to. That's completely intangible, Instinctively, but, but it, but it, there's this moment at the beginning of every game, no matter what sport it is that you're not completely settled in. And it's like, it kind of feels weird. You're not quite in yeah. the rhythm. And then it took them a little bit longer than I expected to settle into the game against Hawaii. And usually the early unsettled portion of that game favors the inferior opponent. So Hawaii was able to capitalize early credit to Timmy Chang. He had a great first drive script. That clearly was what he had planned. That first drive that they were able to work on was fantastic. And this is another one of those, like a lot of the games we said last year, I really, after watching them, was kind of impressed with their scheme. Yeah. Their raw, the Hawaii's scheme, Hawaii's roster, man. I mean, it was, it was tough. So Timmy Chang did some things, but there was some good signs from Vanderbilt after that first drive, which is this Hawaii offensive line is actually pretty experienced and pretty talented. This was not a bad they, Hawaii they offensive early, line. You they saw were, their they were yes, push they were, early yeah. in that game. and it, Because they have five really good offensive lines. Yeah, and they just don't have Vanderbilt, the depth. Man. Yeah, meanwhile, Vanderbilt is very thin right now, and they're going to be. I mean, they're going to be thin all year at that position. They're, they're just, there's just not. Did you hear the stat throughout the game that Vanderbilt only had nine sacks last season? Yes. And they, and they had three this yeah, game? they had three. It's crazy. It's like any – criticisms that we're coming up with where it's where we're like they're going to be thin on the defensive line it's always taking back and I keep wanting to take a step back and say where Vanderbilt started from last season yeah well it's like you can't even have any criticism of it because you're starting from as low of a point right and statistically as you possibly can I think you saw Jadis Richard get a sack there late uh, and they brought pressure from really everywhere I mean they brought the linebacker pressure I don't know if Kane Patterson, I think Kane Patterson, he was in there uh, definitely a few I times. I think it was. Um, trying to figure I out. Cecil, Miles that, Cecil. Miles Cecil one that, had He had sack. that incredible bull rush. Yes, yes. Uh, on that one play. And then I think it was B.J. Anderson. Yeah, B.J. Anderson, Anderson got the, had other, the other one. one. He yeah. had the one where he, uh, the quarterback was yeah. rolling out to the side and he was yeah. able to catch so chase him down. The, yeah, two of the sacks are from you know secondary players or linebacker. But Cecil, he's a guy I think – you know, he may end the, lead the team in sacks. He may only have three or four, uh, but you know, he's a guy, he's got a motor. I mean, if, 
and and he keeps going all game by the fourth quarter. You know, there's a, there's going to be an O lineman out there. You know that that doesn't want to face him, doesn't want to go up against him. So it it the defense they're going to bring pressure. They brought the pressure we thought they were going to bring, and uh, I thought Nick Howell and that I thought he did a really good job of doing that. Um, and you saw how much energy they had, especially in the second half. Will. Uh, but the turning point, I mean, it was it was Max Worship's forced fumble. And, and, you know, I heard a quote from Max after the game. He said, you know, the the ball he said the ball attracts you, you know, when you're when you've got energy, you're flying around. And that's what it did in, in both fumbles. I mean, they, they were coming in there. Elijah McAllister on the other one. Uh, they were just, they, they had hats on the ball. And, and that's what they're taught, um, you know, and so. The uh, Vanderbilt scored 14 points in that 15-second stretch late late in that first quarter. Uh, Wright, of course, had the touchdown pass to Shepard, and oh my goodness, I thought he might over might have yeah. thrown it for a second. That <laughs> that was uh, that was interesting. But Hawaii's next play from scrimmage, Max Worship forced the fumble, and then Anthony Orji touchdown. So just like that, it felt like okay, here's the turning point. This is where everything turns. You just felt it. I mean, the energy. I saw you tweet, inject this into my veins. The the the, the forced fumble. I mean, you look at that. That, that was the, one of the most energetic sidelines you know I've seen in a while for Vanderbilt football. And, and you just felt more u- unity. I mean, you, you just felt it. Uh, you know, and watching a game. I mean, we watched the whole the whole game. Um, you know, and so you just felt a little bit more chemistry, more unity from the team. Um, so yeah, that was a turning point. Will of course. Uh, second quarter was it twenty? It was twenty-one to ten or twenty-one-seven. What was 21, it? 10 twenty-one ten. Twenty-one ten at the half. Okay, so twenty-one ten at the half. And at that point, I mean, you really felt like it was it was Vanderbilt. I mean, you know, they they got that touchdown to it to end the first half, and that felt like okay, Vanderbilt. They're obviously better. They have taken control of this game, and they get the ball to begin the second half. It was just like Coach Lee had set it up. He said we wanted to give our offense that extra possession in the second half. And man, I mean, will it, did it not just feel like Clark Lee told his team, let's go run it, just run it up their throats. I mean, that's what it looked like going into that. I don't know if you have anything else in the first half, um, but, uh, but yeah, the running game, I mean, the running game late in that first half, you could kind of start to see Hawaii's already, they're already kind of getting tired in that run game. Uh, and late in that first half, Vanderbilt, of course, got on the board again. Um, okay. I think it was that Mike Wright touchdown. So uh, will that, that, the first half, it was the first half. It wasn't, you know, anything really too exciting. Uh, it was pretty pretty much business as usual, especially in the second quarter. Uh, but you get to begin that third quarter, Will. I mean, it, that was a new – it felt almost like a new Vanderbilt team. Like, that's when – that's where you saw the whole chip. It's like, okay, this team – this team came out with a fire. And I think that was best to see. Will, I was wrong. I'll admit I was wrong about the opening kickoff. I said Clark Lee should return it and, se- and send a message. He, I think, did the right thing in return, thinking back, saying second half, this is going to be ours. That's when they want to send a message. So I'll, I'll, I'll retract that statement. Yeah, Hawaii had the moment. I mean, I think you felt it going into the locker room, which is Hawaii played in all honesty, as well as they possibly could. Just about could. as good as they could. In that first half, and they were still down 21 to 10. <laughs> it's got to be. And that's really disheartening and demoralizing to be down two scores in the first half. It happened after, to Andy a lot last uh, year. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you go in the locker room, you have a moment, and you all sit down and you look around and you think about the fact of the best case scenario is probably 42 to 20. And this Vanderbilt team came out and they, it felt like they wanted to make a statement. Yeah. I don't know what was said in that locker room, but their scheme they probably didn't showed change. The video again. Yeah. Their scheme didn't change, but boy, was there an emphasis on the fact of 
we are better than them. Our athletes are superior. Every single one of you is a better player than they are. And I think that maybe that just needed to be pounded into their heads because in the second half, it was dominant. It was nasty. It was every single play. They were up 30 and they were getting the sack and Cecil was standing over and everybody was bouncing over on top of the quarterback. And you need to see that. This team hasn't had any of that. Yep. You haven't seen that since the years with Mason, with Joan Williams and that defense and Cunningham. The swagger. They, had some, they had some nasty to them. And yeah. that's what Vanderbilt's been missing. And it's it, it, there was something, and I guess I can hit on this now because we're about to get into the second half. But at the end of the game, the announcer said something along the lines of uh, <clears throat> the color commentator. I don't remember his name. Said Aaron something Taylor. Like, yeah, that I, I I was not a fan of him. But yeah, we'll he, get he wasn't particularly very, he wasn't the, very good. He kept he kept naming Vanderbilt players, reading off their names as Hawaii players. He said it about Jalen Mahoney multiple times, calling the Hawaii secondary, but that's not the it's point like of what I was knows, getting. He knows football, but <laughs> yes, it, it wasn't he really, didn't prep. He did yeah, it, you could tell you could tell he 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 knew football, but he, he was very Vanderbilt. knowledge. He was very knowledgeable of the X's and, and O's of football, especially the offensive line but he had clearly spent 30 minutes max reading over and it just he was, at, he me was off. at Waikiki oh. Beach most of the time it pisses me off because man we do this for basically free and if you gave me something that was my job to prep I would know every detail about every player on both sides and it yeah. bothers me to see the lack of effort but that's not the point of what I was getting to Billy is he said something at the end of the game about this Vanderbilt team needing to not get overconfident. He was still looking at the sideline and not get ahead of themselves and looking ahead. And it made me sit there and think that was probably the dumbest statement <laughs> that I've ever heard an announcer say it was Vanderbilt's team not to get overconfident. So he wanted Clark Lee to go into the locker room of a team that opened last season by losing for the first time in program history to an FCS team. And Clark Lee, who went to school and is an alum from Vanderbilt and played football there, opened his head coaching tenure by losing to an FCS program after going two and 10 and the previous season Vanderbilt went 0 and nine and he wants Clark Lee to walk in the locker room and say guys great game let's not get cocky all right <laughs> I know you, you guys can are probably looking ahead past our FCS opponent next weekend <laughs> even though we lost for the first time in program history last year to an FCS opponent but we've got to stay focused this team is not going to struggle to stay focused on Elon after beating Hawaii. I would bet a lot that that will not be an issue for Clark Lee and staff getting these players to stay focused on an FCS opponent after beating Hawaii 63 to 10. Yeah. I think now, if, if anything, he's going to have to tell them to not come out and just play over the top aggressive and tight. Because I know right. that like this was a statement game, beating the crap out of their FCS opponent is going to want to be a statement. So I wanted to get that in before. That statement from the color commentator literally made yeah, me they, just sit and stare at my TV with my jaw open. I was like, you really think that that's an issue with this Vanderbilt team is overconfidence? I was like, let them enjoy this, man. They they deserve to celebrate like they just won the SEC championship because this team has been through as much adversity over the last year of reading every single person talking about them that they don't belong in the SEC and they suck and they're awful and they're embarrassed. And that's all they saw. 
let them enjoy it, man. Yeah. And there, that, there... that was just so bad. It's like, dude, you have no idea about this program. Like that, that's brutal. To there, hear. Were, <laughs> there were several moments from Aaron Taylor uh, throughout the night like that. I mean, they, and he went to Notre Dame. I'm sure he's, he's close with Clark Lee. And, you know, I, I let's just say we expected better of uh, of Aaron Taylor. I loved his uh, offense. Now with that Nate, I loved his offensive line breakdown of protection yes. schemes and yeah. what they were looking at. That's what I mean is when he was just talking X's and O's, great content. Yeah, that's that's what I want to say. So it's not all hate on him. But. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but well, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I don't remember hearing that, but uh, I, I was that after that was after the game. You said yeah, like yeah. right after. Okay. Well, it was like I think we go back. And- game when they were all celebrating after another stop and he was like they just need to make sure to not get overconfident and look ahead yeah, to that I'll, Wake Forest game and skip past Elon because that, they could they could slip up and I was like dude come on yeah, to that to <laughs> that I'll say this there's two two letters three letters actually FCS FCS opponent Vanderbilt that Clark Lee is going to hammer that there's so much motivation there's so much bulletin board material oh this gosh. year for coach Lee I mean for Hawaii game you've got that video you're that one was handed to you that was a gift wrapped Christmas present for you Elon FCS opponent just show them the whole game sit them down and show them the ETSU game last year there's that one and then what what is it for Northern Illinois uh I mean I don't know you can you could just make make things up I mean Tennessee show them you know, there's so much out there this year for Coach Lee to use to motivate this team, and I'm sure he's happy about that. And he he's he's that kind of guy. He's not going to miss a beat with that stuff. And but I was a little surprised him showing the video. That's that's a side of Clark of Clark Lee. I think we're still learning about him, and he's he'll he'll he's got a little bit of uh you know sav- he's got some savage in him, and and he's not afraid to to step out there and do. Dude, things. you don't you don't play fullback in the sec without having, <laughs> without having a little nasty yeah and he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's about as professional nasty. yeah he's about as professional as can be in every interview yeah he seems like a very nice guy everything as a person now i'm sure as a football coach there's some moments that he's not the kindest out there but dude there there's definitely a side to clark lee that i don't think gets mm-hmm. exposed to the public yeah. and the fan base and the media and I don't know if nasty is the right word, but just that it grit. factor. I'm, I'm starting to, I'm grit. starting to, yeah, grit, gritty. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. one of our favorite words. I mean, if he, if he was a Madden player, he created him, his adjective would be grit. I mean, he, he's a gritty coach. Um, so, Will, that, that, you know, we talked about the first half, the turning point, of course, the fumble, uh, Max Burch forced it. Um, so the bad, the, the, all the bad things were in the first half. Well, I mean, um, some first half mental mistakes, the fourth and five throw away from Mike Wright. We saw that. Uh, some puzzling. Now, looking oh. back, looking back, I got very mad at that. Yes, and just you did. wanted him to toss it down the field. But looking at that play and watching the replay with a calmer head, <laughs> I think he was throwing it away. He really had nowhere to go, and he basically saved 15 yards of field position yes. because I think if he would have launched it, it probably would have been intentional grounding. He may have been able to get away, but there was also a chance on fourth down. He was going to get sacked and yeah. compound the problem of now putting them another 15 yards down the field on a Hawaii offense that has struggled to move the ball outside of one possession. So not as dumb of a decision as it, as it initially appeared. And even Barstool tweeted yeah. that Mike Wright had thrown the ball away. And thank God the first comment underneath, because I almost put it was, yeah, really stupid play by the quarterback to save his defense 15 yards of field position or something yeah. like that right underneath. A it was not a Vandy a... fan. It had like 400 likes, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> I, saw thank a comment. I saw a comment. Somebody said, show the touchdown he threw, like, next yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But, yeah, so – but there will. I'll admit this, and I mean, it's it's 
we're looking back here. It's hard to look at the bad. There wasn't much bad at all. I mean, Vanderbilt played a clean overall football game. They didn't make too many mistakes. They didn't make any mistakes, really. Um, but I will say there was there was a little bit of puzzling play calling at times. Um, the one moment I know uh, I know you're, hum- you're you want to hammer this home also, but right before the half, of course, it didn't matter. None of this the mistakes didn't. Now in the locker room, they matter. Coach Lee's going to watch these and correct them. But Vanderbilt didn't use any three of their timeouts in the first half. I'm not saying they absolutely needed to. But I think they could have gotten to at least a field goal, make it 24 to 10, or they, you know, maybe they could have made it 28 to 10 if they keep marching down. But they really wasted, you could say, 30 to 40 seconds of the last first half. And, uh, you know, looking back at obviously, it, you know, you look back and say it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean anything. They were getting the ball anyway to start the second half. I think that's more of what they were thinking. But still, I look at, um, you know, and this isn't anything against Joey Lynch. It was just, I thought in the moment, there were a lot of things in the moment you look at and you say, you know, why didn't they call a timeout there? Why did, you know, they could have set themselves up for a field goal in the end though. You can't really harp too much on the bat in this game because there really wasn't much of it. So um, I don't know what you thought going back at that will that, that uh, you know, that, that string, the last minute of the first half, you know, like I said, looking back, it really, it doesn't mean really much at all. Um, but it, that's kind of scratching the surface. If you really want to find something somewhat bad in the first half. Yeah, I think that's probably the thing I would point out. It was just confusing. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think that they had a couple things they were trying to do and were kind of indecisive. And I don't think that what they chose to do was wrong, which I think initially they were trying to drive down the field. They got in fourth down and they were going to run. They were going to run down, but they were running down the clock to try to just throw that fade route to get into field position for a field goal in the half, go up 14, then get the ball back immediately. That's what they were kind of trying to do because likely you weren't going to be able to move the ball 50 yards in 30 or 40 seconds. You're probably right. going to end up with a field goal regardless. And also part of it is just not wanting to do anything against and in a situation that Vanderbilt's not commonly in, but do anything to give the Hawaii team momentum right. going into the half yeah. when you're clearly way better than them. Right. So of all the criticisms that I, there wasn't anything in this game that was too head scratching. There were yeah. of course little things, but there were certainly, and I know that that obviously is easier to say after a 63 to 10 win, there were things we both disagreed with and we're trying to get to those that not everything is roses and daisies, but it's really hard to be that critical yeah, after, especially <laughs> after the second half, which the string, I know we want to yeah, kick that second half in some of those plays, Billy, well, I don't want to jump ahead. No, well, I'm with you. A lot of the second half really outweighed anything bad that might've happened in the first half. I mean, yeah. That's as close to a perfect half of football. I as mean, you're going was, to I, you, see. I haven't ever seen in my lifetime. I haven't seen a half of football like that ever. Now, it, yes, it, it, this is the opponent you would guess it would happen against, but still, I mean, it happened, and it happened against an opponent, an FBS opponent. Um, I'll, well, I'll get to this. I'll, I want to say something about Hawaii, but I'll, I'll save that for the end. Um, so, Will, yeah, second half, um, getting to, I mean, a lot, most of these stats, Mike Wright. I mean, 163 yards. Most of those came from that 87-yard uh, touchdown run. Um, the block, my goodness, Will Shepard made. And Gavin Schoenwald had a nice block out there in the edge, too. I was about to say, he looked like Michael Orr from the blind side. On the outside, it got overshadowed <laughs> by the crackback. Well, not crackback, because that's yeah. a penalty. The great block <laughs> by Will Shepard that happened. <laughs> we'll rephrase. Yeah, that's, that, that used to be wait, an awesome. Wait, that's a penalty. <laughs> yeah, that's a penalty now. That used to be a, a good thing, but... The block by him got overshadowed the Gavin Schulman absolutely. Yeah, honestly, the block the was the, the more was it honestly was, maybe more impressive than the run. <laughs> yeah. And it was Will Shepard. Not only did he have that big block, he'd also sealed out the either corner or safety 
and blocked him as well. So he yeah. took two guys out of the play. Yeah. And the main best part of the block wasn't even the big portion of it. It was sealing it was off either the corner the or the safety yeah. before. The blocking from that offensive line in the second half pancake was after pancake. dominant. I mean, they dominated. There was them. A, the, the it is what you would expect. It, it's it looked like an SEC O line against White. I mean, you could have looked at what they were doing and replaced the jerseys, and it looked like any other SEC team would have. Yeah, Ray and Davis. That is the difference. That Ray would da- not have on, looked that way last year. No, on Ray Davis's run, will literally every Vanderbilt alignment they they pancake their their opponent their uh, defender. I mean, it was six or seven yards before <laughs> the the ball carrier was being touched yeah. on most of those runs. I mean, they until the linebacker was like getting a hand on him six seven down the field i mean the the offensive line was just shout dominant. out grease shout out to the grease gang uh, coach blazik uh, he's he's really done a good job even last year i mean you saw improvement after at, at with that patchwork offensive line so but will that that play with uh, the shepherd block and mike wright's run i after watching that i thought sec like i thought like you see a block like that you see Schoenwald, and then you see a guy running 20 miles per hour down the sideline. Like, that's SEC. You know, that that was kind of – that felt like, okay, Vanderbilt, that's some aggressiveness. You know, that's the SEC speed and fire and aggression that that you that you expect to see when you're playing a, a bad FBS team. I mean, that that's what I noticed. That's what I thought of. I thought the of – The size of SEC. the team. They were yeah. bigger. Everyone on the team was just – bigger and it was guys getting hit and every single one of them even when they were getting tackled was the Hawaii player was bouncing off of them even when they were going down and it was Ramon Davis going out of bounds they would have the Hawaii player was throwing their full body and they were shrugging them off it's not and I think it was the Elijah I don't remember if it was the Elijah McAllister run back or the orgy I think it was Elijah McAllister but the quarterback was trying to chase him down and he just shrugged him off like he was yeah. a gnat. I mean, yeah. he just kind of stuck an arm out and just yeah. threw him off of him. Yeah. And there were multiple plays like that with stiff arms. And it just – I think it was – I don't remember if it was an announcer, an announcer that said it, but some of the parents were saying just the expectations of the workouts was what the players were telling them, just what the expectations were of what every single day coming in and the amount of work you were putting in. Yeah. And I don't want to overreact because we will see as the opponent – as the level of the opponent increases a little bit, but the team sure looked a lot stronger and yeah. bigger. Yeah. Than they did Every last player year. you could tell, you know, even a guy like Max worship, he looks bigger. Everybody looks bigger. And you could tell mm-hmm. that coach Horgan, I mean, what a hire he was coming over from wake forest. And, and uh, so, but yeah, but will on the, uh, the Hawaii players, it's not like they weren't trying. Like they were going, they were going a hundred percent and the way they were like dodging at Vanderbilt on offense and like the effort, like the, their attempts at tackling was almost laughable. Like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and feel bad for them, but in the moment it's like this team, like this is JV and varsity. Like it's just, that's what it, but a Vanderbilt person watching that, it's like, you look at it and you don't think that way. It's like, this is, this as a fan, you deserve this. Vanderbilt it was Jacob Scholl, our writer, and his Scholl six-pack, the first edition of Scholl's that. Six By the way, it was, it was unbelievably correct. Go back and read that article, and about, I think, five or all six of them ended up happening as his things to watch. <laughs> Mike Ryder, yeah, Mike Wright over 100 was one of them, forcing turnovers and winning the turnover battle, and it was pretty great. So we'll keep an eye out for that next keep week into the Elon game. But he oh, said yeah. something about, I almost feel bad 
or something. And I said, apps, not even not a shred. Zero zero one percent feels bad. I wish we would have beat him 163 to nothing and danced in their end zone at the end <laughs> because not one person felt bad for Vanderbilt the last no, two years. No. Who not one person was like, no, they're going through a lot of roster turnover right now with a new head coach. They were laughing on their grave. They were they were dancing on their graves and, and pointing that's and laughing at them. So I am going to do that. I'm going to celebrate, <laughs> and I'm not going to feel bad about an opponent with a roster that is very thin, with a lot of movement, and is undermanned and is up against it because nobody felt sorry for Vanderbilt fans. Nobody felt sorry for that team. If anything, it was a thousand times worse than what Hawaii is going to deal with with the amount of eyes. Because I know those Vanderbilt players read all that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it has been relentless since the ETSU game. And actually, the reaction nationally has been a lot more like, wow, than I expected. I, 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 I don't think most people realize how bad Hawaii is. But it's still, I think most people are looking at that and saying, okay, this is different. Now, does it translate to a a big difference on the in the win loss column this season. Probably not. Know. Probably not. But that is just seeing that score is something that the last couple of years Vanderbilt has been incapable of doing. The last three years that yeah. has not been a capability against any opponent that is FBS or FCS. So this is a massive improvement in the in that run for Mike Wright, dude. I mean, it looked like he was in fast forward. There were multiple I, guys I, that had face, angles on I, him. I was just like. Like watching them, I was like wide eyed, and my mouth was just. Did you I read off the sequence in that second half? Just to the van. This is the Vanderbilt offensive possessions. Touchdown! Touchdown! Then they returned the fumble for the touchdown, and then Vanderbilt touchdown. Then another Vanderbilt touchdown. They only had one then, punt the whole game. Then Vanderbilt turned the ball over on downs. Vanderbilt turned the ball over on downs again, and Damn. then Vanderbilt scored another touchdown. That was Vanderbilt's sequence of offensive possessions. I mean, my goodness, you that was about as perfectly executed of a half, and we can just keep saying it, but man, they actually executed well against an inferior opponent in the second half. You saw yeah. that they were well-prepared and different. It, it's yeah. very easy to not come out focused, especially after that first possession from Hawaii, man. You could see it for a second that the thought crossed a couple guys' minds of, oh, shit. Yeah, And man, just that second half, I just keep living in this moment of like, did that really happen? Did we just really see a team actually come out and exceed our expectations, Billy? Because we talked about this. This is the first positive podcast we've ever had. Ever. Since we have done the start of this podcast, we had zero wins. We had zero wins the first year we did this podcast. And then Vanderbilt had two wins, both squeaking by very bad FBS opponents. That's it. Everything else, everything else was lost. Dude, I did not realize this is the first bad. time that we're going in and we were like, dude, I can't wait to talk about this game. Like, <laughs> this is so good. This is going to be a fun recap. We haven't had that yet. This is the first time ever. Yeah, the A&M recap, I remember that. I think that was our mm-hmm. first one. And we were pretty positive, but they lost Like they lost the game. It so was still like, a loss. Yeah, yeah so there, it was more bad than good. But this one, it's literally all good. The, 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 there was no mistakes in this game. Like, literally, I can't think of anything bad that Vanderbilt did in this game. Maybe in the first half, but seeing the second half, it's like you can't even talk about anything that happened in the first yeah, half. Yeah, and I'm just half. saving, I'm just saving, just so everybody knows, I'm saving all of the criticisms and things that I noticed that to watch the rest of the season as like negatives. There are a few, there's not a lot. The defensive line, we can get to all that. 
but I want to get to that in the in the preview for Elon. I don't yeah. I don't want to sully this positivity yeah. we have going on right here. Yeah. Uh, by going through the I, two I or did. three things that we noticed that yeah. were negative moving forward. Yeah, I did notice though, Will. I don't know. Did you? I don't know if you watched Coach Lee's press conference after, but he did talk about how, you know, he was asked about what does this mean for your team? Is this a statement made? And he said, you know, I can't say that it is. You know, and a lot of that is coach speak, you know, of course. But, you know, I thought it was interesting how he went immediately to this is what we expect. You know, this is what we want to come to expect. And, you know, Will, I honestly think this Hawaii game, it says more to me. Like winning 63 to 10 says more to me than if they were to win, you know, 38, 38, 17, 42, 7. Like putting up 63 points against anyone is impressive. So the fact that they did that, that puts a little bit of a different tone on the season for me. You know, and, and I said that. I remember saying that in the preview. I said, if Vanderbilt comes out and demolishes, just wipes out Hawaii, that's going to change it for me. You know, now I think for me, because of what I saw, I'm picking them to go out and, and beat Elon convincingly. I'm picking them to go out to Northern Illinois and win that game. Maybe not convincingly, but this changes it for me too for Wake Forest. And I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But it just changes the tone for me a lot, especially hearing what guys say and Coach Lee. Now, if, you know, Will, if they were to win 23 to 10, 23, 14, something like that, you know, this would be, it would probably be positive because it's a win to start the season, but not like this. I mean, just putting up that, that it's like, I'm trying to compare it to something. It's like Alabama, you know, well, I mean, it's Alabama, but it's, it's like having that chip and going out there and actually doing it, you know, and actually proving it. And that, you know, Van, we talked about Vanderbilt, oh, if they demolish them, you know, but they actually went out there and did it. So for me, that puts a little bit of a different tone as opposed to what I expected. Because I will say, I'm, I was surprised by the fact that they put up 63 points. I mean, I, I knew, I figured they were going to come out and end up convincingly beating them. But putting up 63, I was like, wow. Uh, yeah, let's not, let's not rewrite history here. I think a lot <laughs> of people are rewriting what was being said about this game going into it and that it's not necessarily us. I think we were some of the few people that were saying that this Vanderbilt team should come out and beat Hawaii handily. Yeah. Uh, and my expectation but was I that still, this Vegas I, line was way off. The Vegas line was, what was six, it? What was it? What was the last it started at six and a half points? What was the so last Vegas, one before kickoff? Nine and a half, I think is where it ended okay. up. So this game started as a one less than a touchdown difference in the Vegas line and only ballooned out to nine and a half or 10 points and Vanderbilt beat them 63 to 10. So I don't want to rewrite this narrative that everyone knew that Vanderbilt was going to go not, no, not everyone knew that Vanderbilt was going to go in and beat them that badly that Hawaii was awful. So the expectation was that it was going to be a blowout. No. Vegas that literally puts their money where their mouth is expected this to be a relatively tight game yeah and money moved and came in on Vanderbilt but didn't balloon the line out to even 17 it ballooned it out to nine and a half ten points max depending on where you're looking so Vanderbilt came out and blew the expectations out of the water and every single prediction that we saw no one predicted more than a what three score game max is what yeah. you could have possibly seen. I saw in any prediction and I don't even know if I saw a three score prediction. I think mine may have been the only one of that. So <laughs> there, this Hawaii team was bad and we knew that going in 
but let's not pretend like everyone wasn't also saying this Vanderbilt team is also bad. So this is going to be right. a very close game. Vanderbilt right. came out and proved that Hawaii is bad and Vanderbilt is going to beat the shit out of bad opponents this yeah. year. And that's, we haven't been able to say that. Yeah. Well, look at North Carolina and Florida A&M, Florida FAMU, FAMU. They almost didn't play that game. They, they were down like 20 players. North Carolina won like 35-17. You know, looking around the country, it's like, yeah, Hawaii's bad. But there were other matchups you look at. No one did what Vanderbilt did in week zero. No. No, no one. I mean, they, they were the most impressive team. I saw where Bleacher Report uh, named them the most, like, best team of, of week zero. And it's not like there were no games. There was a decent amount of games in, in week zero. And um, so, yeah, well, but did you see the Western Kentucky-Hawaii line? It's, no. uh, I think Western's a 14-point favorite. Yeah, I think they were 13 and a half. Yeah, time. so that, I mean, that's the mess. That's how different, like, people, that's how Vegas already sees it now. Uh, not just how bad Hawaii. They was. were actually 13 and a half before, before the game. They were oh. already 13 and a half point favorites. Really? So that's how Vegas viewed Vanderbilt. So and that, that's another I mean, thing I'm saying is Vegas yeah. viewed Vanderbilt, who just barely beat Austin P and was pushed to the edge by Austin P and FCS yeah. opponent in week one, Western Kentucky was. And they had them favored by 13 and a half points. Vanderbilt yeah. favored by nine and a half. I, will, I, I saw I, that I, line. So I laughed out loud. I saw your tweet. Why am I watching Austin P, Western Kentucky? <laughs> um, honestly, that sucked waiting for Vandy. That whole day, dude. The first, the the Nebraska Northwestern game was entertaining early, yeah. but other than that, but after that, boy, it was like that felt that like, was a tough. That was that was Wyoming and Illinois. Dude, that was that was the hand job of college football. The week zero was. I mean, that was like yeah, Nebraska Northwestern and Vanderbilt Hawaii <laughs> to close out the night, and everything in between was like, hey, this would normally just be like ESPN Plus. None of these games would even be on a network. Well, if the this only, was a normal normal week. The only downside of Vanderbilt winning sixty three to ten and dominating in the in the second half is that most people missed it. Like most <laughs> people, mo, mo, I think most people saw probably Vanderbilt getting up thirty five to ten and then called it a night. Like no, I think I, I think, think that majority, I, not Vandy I, fans, but I think no, not Vandy fans. I think that having that game late, I I was kind of shocked at helped. the amount of national attention. Yeah, I think that was the point that they had in their heads was we're going to play our week one and put a lot of national attention. Because and it was great for Vandy. It was fantastic, I mean, which is why I was so stressed early was the yeah. amount of eyes and just on social media from the large accounts. That had no, they had nothing, they had nothing else to tweet about. That's what there were. There was nothing else going on producing content at that point. So every major were, account only had that game. And boy, did Vanderbilt actually give them content yeah, the, to, pr- to put out that looks good for Vanderbilt. Well, the that good, is a unique concept. The good thing for Vandy is that all those accounts were ready to, to just roast Vandy for, for losing to Hawaii eventually, but they didn't do that. So I think they had to change their tune a little bit. Bleacher Report and <laughs> Barstool and God. everybody pretty early. So, uh, but yeah, man. Well, early, dude, they were like waiting. To have the SEC oh, they. I mean, the, the first like that ready. was a reach. They were the, the, the throw, Mike Wright's throw out of bounds on fourth. Like that's a reach. I mean, well, well they were reaching early. They were like Hawaii. It was, I think, it was Coach Brown from Last Chance. Oh U. my dude, he said something like he just took it to the he, house. He posted like four or five videos. Did you? And see, I, did you see Hayward going back and forth with him? Yeah, yeah. And that was pretty funny. But I was. This he age, said bro. something like, "And I can't get a job." Yeah, this and is I why you like, can't get a job. No, he was like Brown was saying, "And I can't get a job." Look at this coaching. I was like, "No, I know." Know. I'm saying this you may is be why a great. You yeah, you may be a great coach, man. I watched you on Last Chance. You, 
you're like he is one of the legitimately most unlikable people that that i've ever seen like he's he's he's, he's from compton and so like that's but that's where my roommate old roommate and all his family's families from that area in california (laughs) and they're certainly not like that i mean he is just very unlikable yeah just because he's from compton doesn't know jackass all the time and yeah be an idiot but those videos it was going back it was so funny there were a lot of people that overreacted to hawaii's first touchdown or some you know mike wright's throwaway and then there was all there's a lot of tweets about Vanderbilt scored 63 unanswered after this, you know, or, or, you know, what, however many or 35, however many. They I scored. think it was almost better that all these accounts yeah. early were jumping on the fact that Vanderbilt was down. And so then you had all the, these Vanderbilt fans and former Vanderbilt players with the ability to go back yeah. after Vanderbilt ended up absolutely obliterating them and making fun of them. And Billy, I think we got a shout out on uh yeah I, what I was think, it 104.5 i heard from somebody that we got a shout out i know i think it was buck rising gave us a little shout out for the uh the jeff reinbold uh old takes exposed. <laughs> um but man it was that was easy that was too easy to do that um but yeah will a lot obviously to get to the second half was the story i mean domination we let, let's let's admit it i mean we expected like you know we both came out and said the second half is when vanderbilt was going to take this game over i didn't know what the margin was going to be i certainly didn't think it was going to be 53 um but i was a little surprised second half hawaii just gave up on offense i mean yeah vanderbilt's defense was really they played really well but i i, I agree with you early on you said it earlier will I thought I expected to see a little bit more of the first half from their offense than I saw in the second half. But at well, the I same time, saw, it's like I think they you just saw got... that it's just with that much roster turnover, turnover, and new coordinators, new coach, new system. It's what you saw out of Vandy last year. It's that Hawaii came out early and they had their script that yeah. they worked on that came out fantastic. But they're just once they were just calling plays within the flow and rhythm of the game, they just didn't have the number of reps together. Things yeah. were just a split second off. And it was it was amazing, and just because of the hate that Vanderbilt got, like we said, I didn't feel bad for them at all. No, no. But it was like watching them. It was not player effort. It was not scheme. It was not anything they designed. It was just the the Hawaii roster did not pound have enough pound. time together, and they did not have enough talent, athleticism. But mostly on that offense, they just didn't have enough time together executing the plays. They didn't have enough plays that yeah. they were confident in. And once Vanderbilt figured out their schemes that, and, and plays it, it that they over. were confident in executing, it was over because you already had the superior talent advantage. So once you take the surprise factor out of what you're doing, man, man for man, Vanderbilt was just so superior athletically. And that is what the announcers kept saying. And by the end of the game, I think beaten into our minds was the expectation that Vanderbilt's athletes were going to be so much better. But no, it wasn't. No expectations going into this game were that Vanderbilt was going to be physically completely dominant. It was, it was like they Hawaii. should. But they, they should were... be. Six and a half points was what this line, line opened up as in Vegas. And right before kickoff, it was nine and a half points. Vanderbilt won by 53. So Hawaii's bad. But Vanderbilt exceeded expectations of beating the bad team. And that second half was about as well executed as you're possibly going to see, Billy. And, man, it's it's hard to not keep repeating how positive we are moving forward, even though there are certainly things that I think we'll get to in the preview of Elon that were not red flags, but maybe orange flags, I'll say, that 
we saw in the Hawaii game. Yeah, there were some warning signs, definitely. We'll, we'll get to those in the Elon preview. Uh, well, I'll say this. I tweeted it after the game. I said, I don't care what anyone says about Hawaii. You know, we, we get it. They're bad. They're, uh, you know, they're an F, but they are an FBS opponent. And Van- what Vanderbilt did was a massive statement. And, you know, it just was. I mean, you can't put it any other way. So, uh, Will, and you look at offensively, Vandy averaged 16 points per game last year and 313 yards per game. I mean, that's bottom of the entire country. So all that, everything that happened in the Y game, that's a positive sign for this season. And, you know, they were picked, of course, in the East, last in the East. I don't know that that happens this year. I think there's a team, Vandy, in, in the East. I think they can pick off one of those teams. I'm not saying it's going Sorry. to happen. I think Missouri, South Carolina, so those are the two teams. I, yes. Ole Miss is a trendy upset pick for Vandy because their defense, there's some bad defense in the SEC. We forget, like, Tennessee's defense, Vanderbilt probably can't score with them, but Mike Wright is is a weapon, and there's not too many defensive coordinators in the SEC that are too excited to play him and playing against him because, obviously, he, you know, he's not, um, he's not a danger. He's not a threat throwing the football. But what he can do running the ball and those running backs and a guy like Jaden McGowan, there's some exciting components to that offense that I don't think the country realizes. I think there's some realization within Nashville and Vanderbilt and that the, the roster and the team, of course, in that locker room. But I think they put a little bit of a, you know, they put kind of a, a warning sign, a red alert on, on the country saying, hey, Vanderbilt is uh, offensively, they have improved. They have improved. And this was done without this was done without Patrick Smith. Exactly. Yeah. I I kept looking forward to seeing him. And uh, you know, we uh we saw Chase Gillespie out there run really hard. Uh we saw, of course, Rocco run hard. Ray Davis, you know, did his thing. Um, it's not like one of them had to have like they all did their part, you know, and um, you know, a little bit the box score, though, Will. It's interesting to look at the box score, uh, taking a look at this. Obviously, Mike Wright's stats. 13 of 21, 146 yards, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, 163 yards rushing. Um, there's not many quarterbacks that'll do that. Uh, Ray Davis had, had 87 yards. Rocco Griffin actually had 12 and a half yards per carry. So he was he was impressive. He, he was really running the ball. All the running uh, backs were impressive. Oh, yeah. Will Shepard. There wasn't a, a receiver that had over 40 yards, but they all had above. There were there were six guys that had above 20 yards. Bresnahan, McGowan, Schoenwald had a uh, catch there, of course. That was a that was a good uh, progression read for Mike Wright. Uh, Quincy Skinner had three catches. He looked good. Will uh, Devin Body um, had that long catch, thirty eight yards. Uh, Shepard, of course. Um, and then on defense, Will, let's talk about the defense a little bit. We have if we haven't gotten deep into the defense, Max Worship, obviously, you know he's probably him and Orgy the two guys that look the most impressive. But you saw Langston Patterson get in there late in the game. You saw Jeffrey Hugo. Uh, BJ Diakite, Darren Agu, you saw some young kids that, you know, we expected to see play out there. You know, I mean, we, we said that before the game, we were like, these guys are going to play, you know, and, and Agu is, I saw him in practice, but he kind of reconfirmed like down the road, man. I mean, he, he's, he's got the size now, but imagine him and, and with coach Horgan in the weight room, these next two years, there's some guys on defense. Will that, that uh, we need to keep an eye on definitely. So, um, anybody on defense you saw a young guy, I know you were most excited, um, to watch Ray Davis. I was most excited to watch Kane Patterson. Um, Kane looked good. He got, got pressure in there. Uh, but defensively before we, uh, close this out, you know, what, what stood out to you kind of overall, especially with a lot of those young guys, what they were able to get in there and do. Just 
just overall just swarming to the ball. It's what we saw last season, but the talent and fit and everything and playing together was just better. But I think I tweeted out a screenshot of the scoop and score. Uh, I don't remember which one I tweeted out, but one of the scoop and scores, and there were six white jerseys mm-hmm. around the ball. And they were in, I don't remember if it was the color commentator again, but said something like the football gods are smiling down on Vanderbilt. And that's what made me look at it is yes, they are smiling down, but the football gods tend to smile down on the team that swarms to the ball. Yep. And that's what that, was the, that was more, yeah, more than any, any specific player, which worship bounced back from being out of position on that touchdown run yeah. from Hawaii, he filled the wrong gap, but then he bounced back and made some great plays the rest he, of the game as a captain there, including a great, a great pass breakup. The receiver had the ball yes. in the end zone in Forgot his hands. And he stuck his hand in there and knocked the ball out. So I wanted to say that. But just that overall swarming. And this team was third in the SEC, I believe, in turnovers last year. And turnovers created. Yeah. And they did it again. That is something that's not a fluke. That's not because of why this team creates turnovers. And they did that last year, even on what wasn't a good overall team and what wasn't a good defense, they still created turnovers. And that was the positive sign. And they did it again this year with an improved overall defense. So if they can continue to create turnovers at that same rate they did last year and the same rate they did against Hawaii, man, this could be a defense that could surprise some people and what they're able to do if that defensive line can stay healthy because I think they're thin there and you saw some moments when Hawaii was able to move them off yeah. the line of scrimmage. And that's why I wanted to say that Hawaii's offensive line is by far the best part of their team. That Hawaii offensive line is a mid to upper mid level Mountain West conference. Yeah. Was an, that was a good FBS mid level offensive line even for the mountain west that was what is going to be at least middle of the pack or above Mm -hmm. in the mountain west now every other position group for hawaii that is not going to be true of they will be bottom of the barrel but that offensive line for them has the size and experience to be really good and that's why on that first drive you kind of saw i think what was a little bit of a surprise yeah vanderbilt defense at how easily they were able to move vanderbilt off the ball now they adjusted to that, started filling gaps better. But that was the major thing is after that first drive, the adjustments they made, it was like, okay, enough of that. And it wasn't that Hawaii didn't put together any other majorly long drives. They really didn't put together anything else. I mean, the, the defense was able to completely shut them down and force multiple turnovers on down, including the the one that pretty much ended any chance of this being remotely close, which was that fourth and one stop, which was what I tweeted out that said, inject this into my veins, Mm -hmm. which was Elijah McAllister walking over the sideline with his hand held up. You saw every coach. You could could hear some of the, yeah, it picked up in that quieter Hawaii stadium at that point, some of the things (laughs) that were being said on that sideline. It was quieter. I mean, yeah, yeah, there was only 9,000 people there, but it it didn't feel like uh, what Ryan. It it felt like some good energy early. But yeah, it's gonna it, be it's gonna be really hard to keep that energy going. I mean, we know that <laughs> we've been in the stadium, but it's it's hard to keep the engaged energy when you're down five scores in the yeah. third quarter. That, that's yeah. pretty hard to keep that loud, loud, raucous environment going. Yeah, with a I was uh, nine thousand person stadium. That it was had. kind of interesting. Towards the end of the game, they they would pan the crowd and and show people that were still there. And you know, I remember looking at my brother and saying like why is anyone still there who's wearing green? Like, look, it's like we Vanderbilt has not been in this position 
like in I can't remember when. I don't know that it's ever happened in my lifetime. <laughs> like against the, obviously the Presbyterian game, you know, there's games here and there, but FBS, man. I, I'm but not yeah, sure. FBS, an FBS. That's what I keep hitting at is there's been FCS opponents that have felt this way, but we'd have to look back. I'm not sure when the last time they they had an FBS opponent that maybe felt that maybe there was one mass game maybe yeah there was one year they beat wake forest pretty bad on the road um with uh, zach stacy when he was there Mm. uh remember his long run but not like this nothing like this i mean 63 to 10 um it's really it's it really shows the difference between the first game last year and this first game of the season this year will obviously i look at what you just talked about after vanderbilt um after vanderbilt gave up the touchdown to hawaii the feeling wasn't oh shit, here we go again. It was settle down. Let's, you know, let's chill out. Something's going to happen for us. That's going to click our energy. And what do you know? It did. It was the, the orgy fumble recovery. And of course they had the touchdown right before that. So 22nd swing, just like that Vanderbilt has full control of the game. I mean, you felt it. So, and that's boy, the day, boy, did they need that? That, uh, I mean, that was huge. That was huge in the, for, for the first half, but also for the whole game, they needed something like that to happen. And it happened. Um, so Will, I mean, we could keep going. This is, <laughs> this, this is, is the fun, longest, man. this is fun. Let's, uh, let, let, I wonder it's how we're rambling gonna... positively instead of <laughs> rambling negatively. It's pretty fun. I mean, last year it was always, right, what else did they do? You know, what else happened? Like, you know, it was, it was very repetitive. So, but that's the difference. Will, I think this season with this team, there's going to be, it's going to be less of that. <laughs> we would hope so. Um, but I think even more so than we expect, like, Come, like you saw well i do want to get to this billy sorry you uh, while i remember it you saw your boy swan got to get out there. oh what'd yeah you, I, were you what did you think it, of him i will i you know he's a freshman he's a freshman uh you know going out there i think the first throw you know obviously um going out there as a freshman it's tough but he did uh the throw to uh was it mcgowan or i think it was body it was devin body he made a beautiful throw um and you know you kind of see him you, you just see the makings. You, you see the, the ingredients. It's like, you know, you don't have all the ingredients yet, but you've got, you know, most of what you need and you're going to be developed. Um, and, uh, you know, we knew, I think the fact that uh, he was the backup, named the backup pretty close to the Hawaii game, I think that was another little statement of Clark kind of putting in the back of the minds of Vanderbilt people saying, you know, this guy's probably going to play because we're confident we're going to demolish Hawaii. So I think that was kind of, you know, maybe a trend there, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, freshman, you know, I don't know how much he's going to be able to play. I don't know that he plays against Elon. If this happens again, he's going to get in there and play. Uh, but it was big, Will, for a lot of those young guys to get in there and play. I mean, Swan, Langston Patterson. I mean, you, I saw guys I didn't even really recognize. I had to look at and say, what who, what freshman is that? I, I, I well, they the said they brought the, the even they brought the entire roster brought the whole roster, on the yeah. Hawaii trip. So that was something else that I didn't realize is mm-hmm. they brought everyone with them oh, Will, on the trip. We didn't talk about it. Matt Hayball's punt. Mm. <laughs> yep. Dude, so the thing about that, obviously it was it went into the end zone, but my goodness, how long? <laughs> I think it was 65. Oh my. I mean, they were, they were around the 30 yard line, I think, maybe even inside the 30. And he just yeah, 65 I, yards, 65 yard punt. I mean, I don't think they had one of those last year. Oh, well, a negative here, Billy. They did put the ball on the ground a couple times and it did bounce back to them. But on yeah, the punt McGowan, there, McGowan yeah. but Will Shepard fumbled the yeah, punt. punt. And somebody yeah. that we were talking about was probably back there because of how sure handed he was. And he muffed the punt and was able to get it back. You know, thank I'll God. Be- 
Yeah, we talked about that, Will. You know, I, I was more worried about uh, Ray Davis back there. That was a, wasn't a factor. But Shepard, you know, you brought up Shepard. And I'm, uh, I, I don't know, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they throw him back out there as a punter. It's just, punter, that's the most injury-prone position in football. And say you drop one, that's maybe a little bit of a confidence, you know, lower your confidence. I don't know. But, yeah, that, that, uh, that happened. And um, I was I, – you know, that's that obviously he recovered it, but SEC team, you know, who knows that that could be pounced on. So that's something to watch too. There's, you know, there, there's uh, adjustments that obviously need to be made uh, leading into Elon, but I'm sure Clark will be all over those, but well, let's just, I kind of want to just like sit in silence and just enjoy <laughs> this feeling like just it, soak it, it in for a second. <laughs> I like, I was not going to sleep. I was not going to sleep at all for that one. I mean, went to sleep at like 2 a.m. But, <laughs> um, but man, I mean, that was that was something I didn't expect. I don't know that you expected a 63 to 10 game. I don't think anybody did, and that's why I think nationally, will that's why it got the pub that it did. You know, I think that's why that's a big reason behind it. So, that's it, Will. A- anything else we uh, we have to leave here? Just uh, should we save the last 10 seconds for just a moment of silence for for this feeling? <laughs> Just, just the countdown here for us actually being able to sit and end this uh, recap of a game and me not feel angry as I walk out of my. I just fired up and in a bad mood because now I'm now I've just talked about all the things that have infuriated me. From I the remember game. It's I actually the positives here. I so it's count, amazing. I can't count the number of rants you went on last year, and I would just sit there and just. Like it's better doing this, obviously sitting here and listening to us rant about how good it was than anything that happened last year. So I don't know. It might be more entertaining to hear us rant about the bad things. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh man. So that does it. Will Vanderbilt returns home next Saturday night against Elon six o'clock kickoff at first bank stadium. That's going to get some, that's going to take some it's getting be weird. There. Will you going? Oh yeah. I'll be there. Oh yeah, I'll be there too. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll see how early. I definitely want to get back watch Notre Dame Ohio State. Hopefully Vandy jumps out early uh, against Elon. But uh, we'll have to see. We'll have the Elon preview later this week. Yeah, that <laughs> so that fault. does it for episode one seventy four of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.